Welcome to the Littler Workplace Policy Institute podcast, insider briefings on the latest legislative and regulatory developments affecting employers. Hello, I'm Bruce Sarche, an attorney with Littler Mendelssohn's Workplace Policy Institute in Sacramento, California. And I'm Michael Latito, also an attorney with the Workplace Policy Institute hanging out in Washington, D.C. and San Francisco. WPI was formed to harness the deep subject matter experience of Littler to ensure that policymakers at the federal, state, and local levels hear the voice of employers as those policymakers make decisions that impact the workplace. And we're very excited to announce that just today, Michael and I have published an op-ed in Fox and Hounds. Now, Many of our regular listeners probably think that's no big deal. WPI is always out there in the press, fighting the good fight on behalf of the business community, challenging burdensome government regulations and frivolous litigation that hampers innovation and growth. But actually today, my friends, our op-ed piece doesn't contain any such message. That's right, Bruce. Today we actually are, get ready for this, we are praising the Los Angeles City Council for passing a right to recall ordinance. Now, I know you're wondering, is this really Michael Lotito? Is this really WPI praising the Los Angeles City Council? But it is. We know it's a new stance for WPI, but why are we doing this? So to understand, let's take a look at what this right to recall ordinance does. Obviously, many businesses were forced to lay off workers as a result of the state's shelter-in-place orders. As businesses are now given the opportunity to reopen, they need to hire back a workforce. The Los Angeles City Council Ordinance sets forth criteria that businesses in certain sectors must apply when deciding which laid-off employees to recall first. The ordinance gives workers the right to bring a lawsuit if they believe that their rights have been violated. But it does one other very important thing, which we see as revolutionary and something to be applauded. It gives employers the right to cure the violation before the employee can actually go to court and file a lawsuit. That's right. Basically, if a laid-off worker believes that they were passed over in the recall process before bringing a lawsuit to enforce their rights, the worker must provide written notice to the employer of the alleged violations and a statement of facts to support the claimed violation. The employer then has 15 days from receipt of that notice to cure any alleged violations. If no such cure is implemented, then, and only then, may a lawsuit proceed. And we think this is absolutely brilliant for a whole host of reasons, which is why we're praising the Los Angeles City Council in the Fox and Hounds piece that Bruce mentioned a bit ago. Frankly, we would like to see this common sense approach adopted by other legislators and regulators as they consider new labor and employment laws and regulations. We also should note that the city of Long Beach followed suit and passed its own right to recall ordinance, also with a right to cure provision. So why is this such a good idea? 
Well, business owners in the Golden State frequently complain that frivolous lawsuits take time and resources away from their efforts to grow the economy. The right to cure allows the company to fix the problem early before incurring legal fees and without the prospect of penalties for a violation. You know, worker advocates complain that employment lawsuits drag on and on. Justice delayed is justice denied. This is particularly true for a person needs their job back, like right now. We don't have the luxury in light of the pandemic and the tremendous number of unemployed workers of waiting around for years while the courts sort things out. And if the problem is cured quickly, then back to work they go. And delays in our courts are only going to get worse with the closures recently caused by the pandemic. As the courts reopen, preference is going to be given to criminal matters. Civil matters, like claims involving employment and labor laws, will take a back seat. Bruce and I have been advising business owners for a long time. And our experience is that almost uniformly, those business owners want to comply with their legal duties and obligations. And if they have not done so, we know that they sincerely appreciate the opportunity to right the wrong promptly and get on with things. They want to know that a supervisor or someone outside of the corporate office made a mistake so that they can fix it because they want to adhere to the value that people really are their most important asset. That's right. Litigation, it, it drags everyone into the past. You are talking with lawyers about what happened months and months and years ago, instead of looking at what you can do today and tomorrow to grow your business. The right to cure clearly benefits both workers and business owners. A win-win. Or as I like to say, one plus one equals 11. But the right to cure benefits our greatest society as well. Court dockets are overcrowded. And as Bruce said, it's only going to get worse. Keeping these matters out of the court's pipelines will benefit litigants who have other important claims that need to be resolved. And the right to cure in this particular law also benefits the greater community by promoting stability in employment. Workers who know that problems will be fixed quickly will be more likely to stay on the job. Staying on the job will, in turn, ease the burden on our already overtaxed unemployment insurance compensation system. Let's face it, we're in the middle of the most disruptive change to our workforce, perhaps in history. Businesses want to reopen and get back to work. But one legitimate fear for business is a potential avalanche of new lawsuits relating to the spread of the virus. Implementing a cure should help minimize those concerns, especially when so many laws from so many different jurisdictions make compliance especially challenging. So in our op-ed in Fox and Hounds, we note that other jurisdictions have adopted similar right to cure provisions. As I mentioned, Long Beach. Also, the states of Washington and Oregon have similar provisions allowing enforcement officials to reduce or eliminate penalties for a variety of different kinds of employment law claims 
where a business is taking all necessary measures to prevent or correct violations. Other locales, such as the city of Minneapolis, allow for the first employment ordinance violation to be free. And even in California, there is a limited right to cure wage statement deficiencies, though that process is pretty cumbersome and seldom used. At the federal level, policymakers are considering similar approaches to help restart the economy. These proposals would allow companies to reopen, make a sincere and good faith effort to comply with applicable health and safety regulations, but not have to fear potentially crushing liability should an episode of the virus be contact traced back to their places of business. So we at the WPI believe that the right to cure just makes sense. That's why we're shining a light on this. We know that these are difficult and very sad times. Our policymakers are confronted with a vast array of challenges as they struggle to represent the legitimate interests of all of their constituents. You know, legislation always involves striking a balance. And today, the right to cure strikes the right balance. So we strongly encourage city councils, state legislatures, regulators, and the U.S. Congress to embrace this approach as well. Workers want to get back to work. Businesses want to reopen. And the right to cure can help. Thank you all for your time in joining us in this podcast. We hope you tell your friends about it so maybe they'll listen in too. We sincerely appreciate your support and we appreciate the opportunity to be of service and exceed your expectations. And be sure to stay tuned for further podcasts from Littler's Workplace Policy Institute. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.